Good morning. My name is John Arelli. It's an honor to welcome you this morning on this Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. Way to go. Way to be here on Memorial Day weekend. I mean, come on. And for those of you uh, who are at the lake online, welcome to you as well. Or at the shore. I don't know where you are. But we are so glad you're here online as well. My name is John Arelli. I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor to welcome you. This is my favorite church. It's my favorite day to just be able to be in the presence of God together. We often can do that when we're alone at home, reading the scripture and prayer, uh, but today we get to do that together. It's an all-in Sunday, which means you've seen uh, kids and youth involved already. Maybe you received something from them. At some point today, you're going to be probably served communion by them. Uh, they might even be on our prayer team, who knows, uh, in worship team this morning. We really want to see kids today. We want to see them because of all that's happened this week. It's just, I think, fortunate for us that we've already programmed in this special day of All In Sunday to be able to see kids intentionally. Uh, there's been a lot going on this, this week, and so I want to start, uh, if you would, stand with me. Lord, we're coming with all kinds of, um, like, a, like our hearts have gone through a pinball machine, Lord. The effect of being hit by different traumatic acts of this week. And gosh, uh, Lord, the way that we hear about it every day, whether it's in the news or social media. Would you, before we even begin this morning, uh, meet with us? Would you just meet with our minds and our souls and our hearts this morning with all of who we are? Would you meet here with us? Lord, we, we just say, come Holy Spirit. In the midst of our grief, maybe even anger, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We want to worship you and you alone. And God, we don't want to rise above all that's happened. We want to invite you into it. You are the incarnate God that comes in the midst of all of what's going on. So come, Holy Spirit. Turn our hearts to sing your praise this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. I would encourage you, like, wherever you're coming from this morning, that it's okay to worship and clap and to celebrate. Like, we live in the tension. I have my shirt this morning. It says the radical middle. We live in the radical middle of our experience of, like, oh, man, oh, and also, God, I'm going to praise you in the midst of it. And sometimes, we like, we have to, like, tell our souls to do that. And so I'd encourage you to worship fully this morning in the midst of everything you're feeling, okay? Let's worship together.
my heart, in this place in my heart, in my anxiety, in my whatever, Lord, in the things I want to celebrate so well, if you were there, everything would change. What the Holy Spirit touches, the Holy Spirit changes. So as we sing this one more time, it's evident this is where Bruce is leading us. And so can we dig in with him? Can we partner with what the Holy Spirit's doing and say, you are welcome right here. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's a loss. Maybe there's uh, a risk that God's asking you to take, a really fun adventure. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Let's continue to sing. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. I'll play, um, we'll sing the chorus one more time. So start with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the Your glory, God, is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence. Lord, so one more time. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. Yeah. 
Lord, you do more, so we just wait. Let's just wait. Come, Holy Spirit. I just, uh, just get a sense that there's somebody online uh, like with a, a broken arm or elbow or something like that and the Lord wants to heal you just in this space. Just be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. And somebody here with just been suffering with migraines, like even coming to church was a big risk for you. You just felt like, oh, I don't know if I can even be here this morning. But the Lord wants to heal your migraines this morning. There's more words that the whole prayer team was praying for this morning. I just we want to let you know that God sees you. Someone just living with fear, someone um, dealing with a sleep disorder, someone with a problem with their right arm. So I think that was that, that thing that felt like the Lord was saying this morning. And then someone was traumatized by the events there in Uvalde. Lord Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you into all of life, Lord Jesus. Come and minister right to these spaces. We need you, Lord. God, we don't know how to stop these things. We don't know how to end these things. We're helpless, God. We're so hungry. We're so hungry, God, for you to come and change. Come and change things, Lord. To give wisdom to our leaders for how to do this, Lord. To give wisdom to us for how to lead in your kingdom. To be the leaders of your peace and your transformation in the world. Come, Lord Jesus. We don't know how to even get out of our own skin when it comes to these matters. Lord, come. The Lord Jesus, he did so many amazing things on the earth and he rose from the dead and he said, I'm going to do even more and better through you. But the disciples said, how are we going to do that? Would you teach us how to pray? And so he taught them a simple prayer if we can pray it together this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, we declare your kingdom come and your will be done. Y'all can be seated.
Thanks, worship team. So fun. I'm gonna, if you guys would help me move these, this back just a little bit. Thank you so much. And if I could have a handheld mic, that would be great. Uh, Katie and Bruce, would you stay up here with me? Katie and Bruce are, are more than just guitar players and fluticians. I just made up a word. Did you like that? Flautist. You're like, I actually was in the orchestra one day. I was. No, this is for you. I have a mic. Um, so Katie and Bruce have been our small group leaders for our youth for how long? When did you start? Uh, I started right when COVID started, and then Bruce joined in last March, over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And next week is your last week with us before you move to Seattle. Yeah. And we don't like that uh, because uh, the transformation that's happened with our youth has been amazing. Uh, and Bruce, if you guys don't know, we had the Alpha Course, and Bruce was just an amazing leader of the Alpha Course. Um, I'm curious, just we want to pray for you today, even though next week is your last week. You still have to come next. I don't know why you have to come, but I'm making you so everybody can say goodbye and give you gifts and whatever. Anyway, uh, is there something that the Lord, you feel like the Lord has been doing since you've been here or recently uh, that you just want to share with us? We're, we're trying to create more space where people could share. What has the Lord been doing in your life? And so before Bruce and Katie left, I wanted to make sure we made that space for them. Anything you sense like the Lord's been doing? in you, how he's transformed you? So I think one thing I want to share real quick, it's uh, we went to this conference like in Kansas City, um, but that was like, um, I think that's really good. And one thing I do feel like is, um, I feel like, oh, I'm a lot like, um, so I'm working for like four years now. Um, so we're not a conference. Before that, when we go to the conference, always like we we're like either college students, most likely we're college students. So yeah, and you were young before. Now you're old. You're like, I feel like yeah. I feel now like you're like you've been in the workplace for like four years, right? It's yeah. Now, now you're like really old. You're like 29, right? It's like yeah, yeah. really old. Yeah. Going to 30, and next year I'm I'm going to 40. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Almost 30 is almost 40, right? So next yeah. year you'll be almost 40. Okay. Sorry, I wanted to just because yeah. clarify how. Yeah. So I I do just feel like one thing is like God has highlighted me is um, I'm not young anymore. I can't just be the one everybody's like pouring their life to me. I feel like just like calling or just like feeling to like pass it down to somebody. Because, yeah, like before that, we're like college students, everybody do college ministry. And then because they need it or like there's not believers, because college ministry. And then I, I yeah, I was, I've been really blessed by that. And I feel like now, look at, look at that, I feel like it just, I'm like in a different place. Um, and then just feel like that pass down of that blessings they can pass to next generations and sort of like younger kids, they're, they're facing a lot of things now, if you don't know. Like, yeah, they're just, everything's so different. Like even just for like 10 years, 20 years now, like how we grew up and then how they're growing up, the challenge they're facing and all that is really like, even like, I don't have an answer. I, it's not a thing before. It is so um I think they really need Jesus, and they're really, um, overall, we could be support to them as like how 
we've been blessed by those who support us. So you, you just went to this conference, over 10,000 young people there, and when you say young, they're like high school and college age for the most part, right? Yeah. So you go there and you're like, oh, I'm old. And, but before that, you thought, man, I still, I'm the one that needs to be invested in it. I'm still the young person. I'm not done yet, God. How are, you, are you sure you want me to lead? And God went, at this conference, it sounds like he said, yeah, actually, you're the one that's supposed to be feeding the next generation. This is a pass down of blessings, really. Um, yeah. yeah. It, just, uh, it really highlighted to me is, uh, like how people like, invested to us or how I'm seeking for help. Uh, those all really bless me, and I feel like those things I want to share. And then, yeah. So there may be a couple of you here that have this sense like, oh, I could never, I don't, I'm not mature enough. I don't have enough skills. I don't have enough tools. God hasn't given me enough like understanding of the Bible. There's no way I could be that person that could give away to the next generation. Would you just humbly just say, like, that's me? You have a couple here? Okay, would you just... Begin to pray, blessing on those people, because you're right there. The Lord's doing this in you. Would you pray that over those? Just hold your hand. Don't be afraid. Like, hey, there's no, I just feel intimidated of being the one that's supposed to be passing down to the next generation. Yeah, yeah. Just begin to pray. So, Lord, just uh, lift those people. Um, just lift all of us, Lord. Just open our hearts. Um, God, just uh, you designed us, you created us for the purpose, and uh, just you reveal us every day um, through just your words and even just people and friends. And you bring people to our life and to nurturing us, to um, just feeding us, to blessing us, and to support us. So, Lord, um, I pray that um, for these blessings will be passed on to those who, who want to do it, those who are hungry for it. Lord, I pray that you just open their hearts and just to receive, Lord, I pray that um, just... You overflow those who want you, who seek you, who need you, Lord, and pray that that overflow of love and blessings and just overflow to those and just like they could be a beacon. Us could be a beacon of you, God, and pray that even just for everyone um, hearing my voice and just online, Lord, pray that you just continue leading us um, in our lives for uh, when there's joyful time, Lord, we praise you, Lord. In the difficult time, we seek you, because those are the time that you shine the most, Lord. Pray that you will, you will just be there for us, Lord. Pray that um, your blessing will continue leading us, um, and just for um, those who hunger will be, um, will receive, and and just uh, pray that overflow of your love, your joy, your peace. Um, your blessings to us so we could overflow to other people. We could, we could give to other people, Lord. Fill us up. Um, I feel like God is here. I just want to say that out loud. Uh, this next generation, if you've, if you've been at a small group with Bruce and Katie or uh, alpha table or something like that, would you come up and I, I want for you all now as the next generation to pray for them for blessing as they go out. Would you come up, please? Yeah. And then 
especially some of you youth. Bruce, would you give away that mic to somebody? Yeah. And then would one of, would one of you youth especially pray special blessing for Katie and Bruce? Very good. You guys gather here. Come, come over here so there's more room to get around you. And just, you can just, it's just simple. Just put a hand on their shoulder and, and just come around them. It's okay. I really wish Bruce and Katie the best in Seattle, and I really hope that God is there watching them and hoping for the best. Honestly, I just wish all the, all the good things to happen Amen. for Bruce and Katie. They really deserve it, and I feel I feel God should really listen to their prayers more than than often. They they really deserve it. Awesome. Anyone else? Anyone else have a prayer blessing? Go ahead. Um. For some people, this might seem like like a like tough situation, like decision to make. But eventually, I know y'all probably are just gonna like you know do it for the best and hopefully achieve a better life than you already have right now. Amen. Thank you. Um, even though uh, I don't want them to go, uh, I know God does, and I know they want to go, and I know it's probably the best decision for them to make. And I just pray that they get to lead a bunch of other people in Washington, in Seattle, and wherever life takes them. So, Lord, would you hear these blessings from these disciples, Lord? God, would you continue to lead these disciples that are around Bruce and Katie, but would you send out Bruce and Katie just like they said, Lord, that you would hear their prayers, that there would be better life for them, more than they, better than they, could, that they can ever imagine. And Lord, more disciples that you would call them alongside to. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Good job, Thanks. youth. Thanks, John. And we're going to continue the leadership of the service through young people by playing... Uh, our announcement video that's been pre-recorded this morning. Good morning, Mission Leaders, and welcome to any newcomers out there watching. I'm Melissa Riley here to present to you the news of the day. Our top story, metabags. What is a metabag? A metabag is a plastic bag with some basic items that you can use to keep the encounter as we travel about the city. You can grab one at the table near the entrance. Our next story, small groups. A small group is a place where people can get to know others and talk about their faith. We have some new groups starting in June. Learn more at smallgroups.missionvineyard.org. Lastly, if as part of your worship you'd like to give financially to the mission and vision of Mission Vineyard Church, you can do so in the baskets that are being passed or by going to giving.missionvineyard.org. This is Eliza Relly signing off at Mission Vineyard News. All in Sunday means we get to see kids. We get to be with them. We get to notice them. We get to invite them to be part of what God's doing. Uh, this is not just uh, a place where we just honor adults. Adults don't are the only people that get the Holy Spirit. Kids have a full version of the Holy Spirit in them. And so we try to create as much space as possible for them to minister and lead and all of that. Uh, I've got a friend with me this morning, John Wilhelm. John, would you come up and join me? We're going to have some fun.
We're going to have a lot of fun. And you get this mic. You're not going to wear one. You have to hold it the whole time. Great. John is one of my best friends in the whole world. Before uh, Mission Vineyard was planted, they planted a vineyard church. And then in the midst of all that, God led John to start working with foster and adopt uh, ministry. So uh, helping people uh, adopt children, foster children. Mm -hmm. uh, you were heavily, heavily invested in the system before. At some point, God went, you know, John, I need some people. I need the church to actually lead in this. And so you and a friend, you'd come together and you said, all right, what are we going to do? And one hope for kids was born. It was called something else at that point. Right. And uh, all together, you started this ministry. I don't know how long ago now. Uh, 2014, we start, laid the foundation. We started placing children in 2015. So seven years ago. Oh, my goodness. Crazy, right? 2015. And like something like... 400 kids have been placed? Uh, like? No, almost 900 now. Yeah. And maybe I got the four, there's like three to 400 families that currently. So 300 uh, and 20 have been licensed to care for kids. Um, over 200 adoptions, total of 900 kids served. Yeah, just God's doing awesome things. Yeah, play, yeah, you could just. This is totally a God thing. Amen. Absolutely. Totally God thing. And, yep. and I get blown away. I remember like when your staff was like you. <laughs> I was. The first year they gave me for Christmas a plaque, employee of the year. Yeah, yeah. Because I was it. It was not hard competition. And now you've got like 40 staff or no, something? No, no. We have 22. In two locations, New Braunfels right. and in San... I mean, the, it, the organization continues to grow. Yeah. Um, so... John is really smart when it comes to, um, you are. Well, I pick good friends. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> John is really smart. You've been trained because of where children come from when they're often fostered or adopted. You've been trained in some special attachment theory stuff. Uh, so trauma, trauma-informed care, which has a lot to do with attachment theory. Trauma-informed care. Yeah. Why is trauma-informed care? That sounds pretty dramatic. Why is trauma-informed care so important to foster and adoption? Well, as you can imagine, foster kids come into care because they've been through a lot of hard knocks. Yeah. Uh, we call them um, children from hard places. They've yeah. been the the reason that kids get removed um, has to be pretty bad. Uh, last year, there were seventy thousand uh, convictions in Texas of harmful abuse and neglect, but out of those 70,000, only 20,000 were removed. And so it, the bar's pretty high. So kids have been through uh, a lot of trauma, that, and, and, and science now shows that that, drama, that trauma directly impacts their brains, uh, how they think, their ability to attach, or their lack of ability to attach. And so we work specifically to teach parents how do you work with a child that hasn't learned to attach, that doesn't know how to trust? And that, so that's a lot of what we do. And that's huge. I mean, if, I, if we went around the room and said, yeah, I have a hard time trusting people. I mean, we've all been through situations where we've been let go of a situation where we really should have been cared for. Mm -hmm. But when that happens with a kid, something, something's completely different. I mean, it, so, so as you train, now you're training parents, you're training folks that would... Uh, take on uh, children in this trauma-informed uh, care and how to, how to help the children attach, how to help the parents attach. What kind of things 
do you help train in? Um, like, what are the, some of the skills and tools that you're, you're helping so, them engage? Um, so we work on um, that children that don't know how to trust tend to only depend on themselves. They don't look to others to meet their needs. Yeah. So we have to teach the parents how to respond to a child. So one of the things we teach them is uh, to begin to recognize needs in a child before the child even realizes it feels a need. So to see hunger before the child even feels hunger, to see wow. the need for thirst before the child even feels thirsty. But most importantly, the number one thing that our children cannot do is they, have, they don't have the ability to feel safe. And so if there's not a feeling of safety, then I can't let my guard down, I can't trust others. And so we work with our parents to recognize, you know, there's a difference between being safe and feeling safe. Yeah. And our children, they may be in a very safe situation, but they don't feel safe. Yeah. So we work with the parents to recognize what are the things that causes this child to feel afraid and what are the ways that I can help them feel safe because if I don't feel safe I'll never begin to trust the person that I'm with I have to feel safe with you and if I don't then it doesn't matter what you say what you do yeah I'm never going to begin to attach yeah uh, I want to get my iPad I don't know where I put it um, and there are some notes there uh, and a game that actually we're ah, gonna play a couple right. of games actually anybody want to play a game yeah, okay, good, because each of you are going to be able to play a game right now, not just kids, but because kids are here, kids, you get to play this game too. Who, what kid wants to get out of their seat right now? Are you done being in your seat right now? I know you are. I mean, I'm, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, what adult doesn't want to get out of your seat? Right, okay, let's do this. So uh, I've got some cups here, and I think we've got enough for everybody, so let's just pass around these cups, and we're going to play this game. Awesome. And I hope we play it right, because it's a I'll new game. I'll let you know. Jan's going to pass out on that side, and then Destiny's going to pass. Great. Okay. Everybody get a cup. Everybody get a cup. And then, in just a moment, I'll tell you what to do. All right, who's thirsty? If you're thirsty, uh, do we not, wait, wait I, wanna, I wanna make sure everybody has a cup before I ask this next question. Am I doing this right? So far so good. Yeah, okay. I have no idea what you're doing. John's the expert. Perfect. So in my, picture here, I have water. Mm. And I'm just wondering if anybody's thirsty, if you want to come up and get a drink of water, just come on up. Who wants some water? You want some water? Okay. Yeah, you get water. Okay. All right. Good. All right. There you go. And I'll give you water. Yeah. Great. All right. I'm just going to choose not to give you water, Dan. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but they get water. I don't know how that makes you feel. Thirsty. Are you, you're probably still thirsty, right? 
That's not fun, right? All right. And here you go. Let me see here. Who else do I want to give water to? Maybe you. No, not you. Are you, are you thirsty there? I'll give water to you. No. Oh, you stole some. You were, okay. Well, I'm still, well, all right, I'm done. Awesome. Good job. John, what's this game all about? So, um, it's about survival. It's about staying alive. We need water to live. And if we don't get water, eventually, we're, we're going to perish. We're going to die. And so, by providing water, you're, you're showing you can trust me to come to me for your needs. Because that's what most of our kids have not learned. But some of you, I didn't give, I didn't give them water. Yeah, that's the people you want to die, I guess. I don't know. I'm kidding. But they can't trust me, can they? They can't. They, if, if I had stood up here and with a cup of water and you hadn't put water in my cup and then you offered something else, I would not be in a hurry to run up because I wouldn't know, can I trust you to give it to me or not? Yeah. Yeah. So it's also about consistency. Are you doing it every time? Yeah. Are you always there? All right, one more game. Who else wants to play a game? How about some safe zones? Can we? Can you, you want to do that? Yeah, yeah. All right. Anybody, wherever they want to. Okay, we need, I tell you what, everybody stand up. All right, this is going to take just a second. I need you to find somebody you don't know and stand directly facing them. So find a partner, doesn't matter who it is. And stand and face them. Back up about, so I want you to be about three to six, so about, let's do about five feet, feet apart. Don't get too close to each other. Don't get too, you know, it would be easier if you were all facing either the window or the wall. So if you're facing, yeah, everybody facing this way or the other. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So... We're going, to, we're going to check out your comfort zone. How comfortable are you when somebody wants to approach you? So everybody that's facing that wall, I want you to just stand with your hands on your side. Everyone facing the window, I want you to, when I say go, very slowly, I want you to inch toward the person that's facing the wall. And when you get to where they're, when, so you wall facers, when they're comfortable, when they're getting too close, just put your hand up and they have to stop. So you understand? So those of you that are facing this way, you get to determine how close do the window facers get to get to you. All right, are you ready? On your mark, get set, very slowly, go. Walk toward the window, put your hand up. up. We got one's already stopped, stop there. Don't let them get too close. Don't let them get too close. All right. That's good, that's good. All right, let's stop. All right. Who here felt like the person coming toward you got too close? Put your hand up. We got a few. 
James, James is, I'm on the other side of the room. I'm already too close to James back there. All right. How many of you were like, hey, you could, that person could have come closer? I've got quite a few that were like, nah, it'd have been all right with you getting a little bit closer. All right, let's back up, separate again, because now they get to torture you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got to go both ways, right? So everybody facing the window, hands at your side. Everybody facing the wall, get ready when I say go. You're going to slowly walk toward that person on your mark. Get set, go. Uh, one, I see a hand up already. Up, oh, there's a hand. Uh, there's a hand. So there's a hand. Some of you are going, hey, put your hand up. All right, that's good. All right. Okay, again, who, who felt like that person got, or no, who, yeah, who said you got too close? Anybody here feel like, are you letting me get too close? How about that? No? All right. So, basically, this is an exercise, and every one of us has a comfort zone, right? And have you ever talked to someone that was inside your comfort zone? Could you hear anything they said? Did you even get them? No, because the whole time you're like, back up, back up, back up. Please, back up. Because they're, they're pushing your comfort zone. Hey, if you're like that, don't go to India, don't go to Europe, because their comfort zones are a lot smaller than ours. All right, that'll do Have it. Have a seat, yeah. So, so why are we talking about comfort zones and trust? and trauma-informed care. It's because today what we're actually talking about theologically is, is a word that you may have heard in the church and you may have gone, oh, that's like a religious word, called atonement. Atonement, really what it describes is everything that Jesus has done for us to make us back together with God. Everything that Jesus has done to bring us back together with God. And what the Lord was telling me as I prepared for today was that atonement actually has a lot to do with attachment. The, the things that God has done for us, that Jesus did for us in order to bring us back with God, are actually very much the things that you train parents and kids to do in order to come back together. I mean, after all the trauma-informed care, that you see over the years, now you said it's been like seven years, you've actually been able to train some parents, and like, there's actually results that you've seen Absolutely. in families. Tell us about what happens. So it, it takes time and patience, but when a child knows they're safe, and the parent, so what we, we have to make clear to our parents is, you're the driver of this, just like God's the driver to us. Not to take your sermon, yeah. but... Um, Go ahead, Pastor, amen. No, but the... You have to, you the parent, has to be the one to, to continually go after them and to bring them in. You have to be the one to recognize what their needs are and to quickly meet those needs. And what we see happen is children that never trusted anyone begin to respond. They begin to love. They begin to receive love. And they begin, so what we teach them is, you can be a child again. Because you, by the time our kids, if you grow up 
in a severely neglectful home by the time you're one years old. At 12 months, you have, in your mind, already reached the conclusion, I can't depend on anyone. I have to take care of all my own needs. And what our parents teach our kids is, no, you can depend on me. And those kids begin to trust, and they begin to attach, and they begin to cry when their parents leave because they miss them. And there's, they begin to go to their parents when things are, ta- are hard because they trust them. But it's a very long and a very intentional process. The parents have to be very, very focused on this is my mission to bring them to trust me and to learn. And, and we teach as a Christian organization that the ultimate source of that trust is God and God's love. Did you, I don't know if you, if you heard that. I want to say it again. Before the age of one, this is already done. At some point, the child either believes or doesn't believe that someone's going to care for them. That's right. That same water exercise, that same trust exercise. That statement has already been made. That feeling has already been made. And so the kind of work that it takes to build back that trust, right. and if that trust isn't built back, then the child doesn't know how to love themselves. Absolutely. Not love themselves, but love anybody. All the above. That's right. Without the intentional work of a loving, adoptive parent, reaching in the midst of every bit of vulnerability, we don't know how to love. Absolutely right. Anybody making any connections? I w- there's a scripture I want to engage this morning. This is Ephesians chapter 1. Because Jesus takes us from survival, just trying to survive, to attachment through adoption. And he does this with Jesus. He, this is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And you kids, if you want something to color, there's coloring pages with this verse and, and, and some other uh, word finds and stuff at these big tables here uh, if, if you want to engage those. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance. Do you see the condition of what's going on here? God decided in advance, knowing that what would happen at the beginning is we would not be able to love well because our attachment to God had separated. He decided in advance, in advance, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. He wants to see us. He wants to create safe places for us. He wants to teach us how to love again. He wants to restore all of those places where we don't trust anymore. It gives him great pleasure to do this. 
He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered us with kindness, showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. So early on in the relationship with God, people sinned. And we've got a picture here with a guy wrapped up in thorns. And this is from the Bible Project. If you Google Bible Project Atonement, you're going to see an amazing video that talks about how, you know, we wish that people who sin, we wish that the evil of this world, that God would just take it away. Everything that happened this week, everybody involved, all the evil people that we want to say, that's their fault. If they would have just... We see them like this, wrapped up in sin, wrapped up with fault, and before you know it, we wish that God would just evaporate them from the world, don't we? If God would just take them out. Until we realize that actually the same sin and death and separation from love, separation from life that they have, we live with too. We're no better. We don't live perfectly. We hurt people too. So back in Leviticus, it's fully drawn out. What does it look like that God wouldn't just kill somebody who is full of sin? Just evaporate them from the world. And show the picture of the altar, if you would. Where God said, okay, you don't have to die. Let's put your sin onto a sacrificial animal so that that animal dies literally for your sin because really at the end of the day if we don't take care of the sin what's going to happen that death is just going to continue to multiply and multiply and multiply you think that parents that have kids that are abused do you think they they were born that way that they wanted to hurt their children when they grew up that they sought after that no Somebody wounded them. Somebody wounded them. And back and back and back and back. And so God made a way and he said, I'm going to stop this right now. And I'm going to let you understand that what's inside of you needs to die. And I'm going to make a way for the sin to leave you. For you to be consecrated holy again in relationship with me. To see me as your savior. To see me as the one who loves you fully. We're going to put this, this sin on this animal. And then at some point, well, it says the beginning of the world, really, in Ephesians. But at the right time, God chose that Jesus would be the final sacrifice. You can put up that slide. And every single bit of our sin, every single bit of the sin against us, that time you were wounded by somebody else. Every single bit of that sin that you did to somebody else, you have no idea you did. Jesus says, I want to be that sacrifice. This is Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others 
and to give his life for the ransom, that word ransom, very well connected with that atonement, with that attachment. He wants to be the one that takes on our sins forever. Forever. The writer of Hebrews tries to articulate it the best he can. He says, but when Christ appeared as the high priest of good things that have come, even though the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, all those animals that they sacrificed, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. This is not just for today, not for this week, not just for the Day of Atonement that they used to celebrate. This is for the life. This is for eternal life of atonement, eternal life of attachment, eternal life of love that lasts forever. This is what makes God's final healing of the earth able to be complete because he does it once and for all. Even after we're all in heaven, he remakes the whole world. And we get to live new lives with eternal bodies. This is the whole plan. He says, I'm going to do this myself. And I'm going to welcome you to it. If we don't receive this adoption, we can't enter into eternal life. We can't expect that we can enter in to the final glory of what God wants. We can't accept that we can enter into this life full of any kind of love, really, if we are still wrapped up in our own sin. We really, the Bible says this, we really don't know what love is unless we receive the love of God through Christ Jesus. That's how we know what real love is. Otherwise, our sin is what determines what our life is. Our sin sets the stage for how we look at other people. Instead of the love of God that's been reflected on us, we reflect our own demands on other people. We still feel the pain of our sin. It still affects us. It still changes our lives. We still hurt other people. We still wound other people. And we're not doing it because we want to. We're doing it because our sin still hasn't been dealt with. And so the thorns, instead of just being wrapped onto us, they start getting wrapped onto other people, wounding to wounding to wounding to wounding. And that's what we saw this past week. In the whole system, this was not just one person, in the whole system, This is the product of sin in our world. We are called to surrender and reattach so that we are filled with a real and holy and amazing love that has no wounds attached to it. God has always wanted to say, I know you're hurt, but let me reconnect with you. Let me show you what real love is. And all that sin that you've been wounded with, put it on me. Put it on me. I'm going to invite the worship team back up at this point. And we're going to practice, actually, 
one of the ways that God showed us how to remember his sacrifice. One of those ways is baptism. If you have never been baptized and literally entered into Christ's death and been raised to life out of those waters, that's one of the main ways that God invites us to enter into this atonement, to identify in his death publicly. But the other way is through something we call communion or the Eucharist. And so I'm going to ask kids and parents to come, and you're going to be serving communion this morning on each side, Arlita. The Sogians, if you would come on this side. And then, Arlita, you've got a team there. Before you come this morning, I would like for you to remember how the Lord Jesus has removed your sin through his death. I would like for you to remember how you have been filled with his love and been reattached to an eternal love that's completely pure, not based on any human love, but only based on the love of God. I would love for you to remember that he has saved you. In the Bible, and and what God says about this, when he removes sin, it's actually the same thing as saving your life. You cannot enter an eternal life. You cannot enter into eternal love. You cannot be reattached to pure love without accepting his death for you and letting all of your sin be put on the cross. Can't be done. There is no other love that can do it, and you can't work your way into it. You can't just get better and start removing your own sin. It's impossible. The only power in the whole universe to save your life is Jesus on the cross. That's it. So as you come today, what we have here is a cup of juice. In remembrance, it is the blood sacrifice of Jesus. Not of animals, not of something that can be reborn again. No, this is of Jesus who now is eternal, has been raised to life. And when he was raised to life, he conquered over the final sin and the most ultimate sin, which is death. He conquered over it all. And the other thing that we have crackers. They're gluten-free, just for you. But this bread is a strong remembrance of the body of Christ, which was given for you in death. The blood says, you've got new life. The body says, all the sin goes on to Jesus. And we get to exchange our bodies for his body. We get to exchange our life with his. That's what we do in communion. So take a moment and remember, and then when you're ready, would you come and receive and remember what he's done for you? And if you've not received Jesus, if you've not made that exchange of taking off your thorns, and only he can do that, only he can remove those thorns, all that sin in your life, all the wounding, all the things that have been done to you and all the things you've done, only he can do that and put it on himself. If you've not received and surrendered to that, would you do that now? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I know I can't do this myself. I know it's too big for me. I know the sin and the death of this world is too big for me, but I now surrender that you would take my sin. I put it all on you. I surrender it all to you. Would you be my Lord and my Savior, my true love that teaches me how to love, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me in a way that's really helpful in this world. God, I don't want to multiply my sin and wounding in the world anymore. 
All I want to come from me is, is your love and your life, Lord. Would you let everything that comes out of my life pass through your cross? When you're ready, would you come and receive? a couple of words this morning, folks, that we wanted to pray for, especially that we felt like God had given to us, especially to pray for. There's The teams have already set up over there to pray for you, but they're also there for any emotional, physical, or spiritual need you have. If you have said yes to Jesus for the first time today, or it's been a long time, please come to your team this morning. They want to help you for the next steps. So as the team continues to play, please go see your prayer team. And for the rest of you, would you stand with me? I want to bless you. you receive this blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you would go out completely free, completely free because Jesus has taken on the full amount of your sin, that it has been transferred and you have been transferred from death to life because of the amazing thing that Jesus has done for you on the cross. I bless you in Jesus' name. Be filled with the Holy Spirit for a life that's full of love and attached with our Savior. Amen? Amen. Go in peace, and please see a prayer team as the worship team continues to play. And go pick up your kids, too, if you've got kids upstairs.